Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Explain It To Me, where I explain a topic in neurology in 10 minutes or less. My name is Dr. Bill Okoda, I'm a board-certified neurologist and epileptologist, and today we'll be talking about migraines. So let's talk about migraines. I know migraines are fairly common. Um, if you don't have migraines, I'm sure you know someone who does. Migraines affect kids, adolescents, teenagers, and adults alike. Per the International Healthcare Society, for your headache to qualify as a migraine, these are the specific things that need to be true. You have to have a headache lasting 4 to 72 hours. These migraines are generally unilateral, affecting one side of the head, um, although sometimes it can be bilateral as well. They have to be pulsating in quality, and it has to be getting worse with movement, with activity, anything Anything you do has to make the headache worse. Occasionally, you can have nausea. Um, you can also have light sensitivity and sound sensitivity. If any of those criteria are fulfilled, you have a migraine. Now, mind you, there are other types of headaches, right? You have like tension headaches. You have cluster headaches. Um, you have other types of facial pain. But a migraine is very specific, and we look for 40 to 72 hours of um of duration in which it affects you. Sometimes it can be longer. Of course, not everyone um, is a textbook that fulfills these criteria, but for the most part, it lasts about that long. Unilateral affecting one side of the head, light sensitivity, sound sensitivity, nausea, and a lot worse with movement or any kind of activity. So why do we get migraines? Um, the reality is like we kind of have an idea why it happens, but not 100% like most things in neurology. Sometimes there is a genetic component associated with it, but a lot of the times there is not. Basically, we know that we have pain receptors that cover the meninges. The meninges are the outer covering of the brain. Um, some people just have very sensitive um, inflammation markers or points when it comes to these meninges. And basically what a migraine is, is inflammatory changes um, leading to pain and sensitivity of these meninges. Again, I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty of it, but we know that there's pain receptors involved, there's inflammation receptors um, involved, and the meninges are involved. You can sometimes also have, um, you can have involvement of your trigeminal system. Your trigeminal nerve is the nerve that supplies your face with sensation, and that's why sometimes with migraines you also have pain to other sides of your face. Um, we know sometimes this is involved as well. Um, not to be confused with trigeminal neuralgia, that's a whole different thing. But just with common migraines, you know, trigeminal system can also be involved. Um, so what happens? Well, with this pain and this inflammation, you can sensitize that area. And that's why your head even hurts when you try to like touch it with um, when you have a migraine. We call this hyperalgesia, which means increased sensitivity to pain. Um, you can also have something we call allodynia, which is pain when, or pain due to a sensation that doesn't usually cause pain. So for instance, um, you know, if, if you're touching your head, usually that doesn't cause pain, but in this case you can have it. So that's hyperalgesia and allodynia. Um, 
So there are certain um, receptors that are involved. We know serotonin is involved in migraine formation. There's also something called calcitonin, gene-related peptide. And both of these are um, you know, tackled or they're attacked with anti-migraine medications, and we could talk about this. CGRP is interesting because that's the stuff that's blocked by medications like Nurtec. Um, so we know the receptors that are involved, and we know kind of what happens, but we can't say for certain why certain people are affected by migraines and others are not. Um, there are two very specific type of genetic types of migraines. Um, one is associated with a bunch of genetic markers. So I, I'll briefly just mention them again. This isn't going to go too much into detail, um, but you have potassium channels, KCN, K18 gene. You also have your calcium channel, CSN, K1D gene. Um, those are all things that have been seen in families with migraines. And then another type of migraine that can be really scary is familial hemiplegic migraine. That is your calcium channel, CACNA1A mutation. This is interesting because it also can be involved in epilepsy, but basically patients with this gene have such severe migraines that they actually look like they're having a stroke, they're having trouble moving one side or the other, and that's why it's called a hemiplegic migraine. So, you know, uh, that's, that's an interesting fact. Another interesting fact is about 15% of the general population, females more likely than men, will end up with migraines at some point in their life. The most common age group to start with migraines is from 30 to 39, which is news to me. I thought most people started in their teenage or adolescence years. Um, a lot of triggers for migraines that we know of are, you know, hormonal, um, especially for women around their menstrual cycle. Um, other things that makes uh, the migraines worse for people is sleep disturbances. If you're not getting enough sleep, stress around the neck area, alcohol, bright lights, smoking, um, heat. And for some people, exercise and certain foods can also do it. Now, there are different clinical features of a migraine. Not everyone just gets a migraine. Sometimes you have a prodrome, which is you feel like you know you're about to start getting a migraine. You, you, get, yawn, you get a lot of yawning, a lot of lethargy, depression, neck stiffness. Um, about 25% of the people will have auras during this time as well. The auras don't always have to be the visuals exact as we think they are. Sometimes they can be sensory where you feel numbness and tingling on one side or the other. For some people, you can also have language aura where you're having trouble getting your words out, which can be really scary and look like a stroke. Um, you can sometimes even have an aura without the headache. Um, one other type of aura that I think is interesting is ophthalmoplegia, which means your eyes are affected. It's, I've heard of people even going, losing vision with their migraines um, or losing part of their vision, which can be really scary. Um, and you so that's the stuff leading up to the migraine could even be part of the migraine and then you have your migraine and you have the postrome which is after the migraine goes away um you might still feel tired lethargic uh confused but after it fully goes away you might feel drained um this is also kind of interesting because it's almost like the aura and postictal period of seizures which is why there's been a lot of talk about migraines and seizure correlation so far it's just the familiar hemiplegic migraine gene but i feel like in the future more stuff's going to come out about it um that is in essence 
what migraines are. Of course, there's different types of migraines, and we could talk about this forever. But before we end this, I do want to talk a little bit about treatment of migraines because there's been a lot of changes. Uh, so the approach to treatment is basically two-pronged. One, you want to give a daily medication that the person takes to prevent the migraine, and then you always want to offer an abortive, which means something you take when the migraines come on and it's gotten really, really bad. Uh, daily medications that are used to prevent migraines include some calcium channel blockers, some beta blockers, basically medications that are also used for blood pressure control. Some anti-seizure medications can be helpful, like Topamax, um, Depakote, um, some Antidepressive medications can be used, such as amitriptyline, um, Effexor, which is a venlafaxine, is also used. So those types of medications can be used for long-term prevention. Um, now we have more long-term prevention medications, like Botox is something that you can do to prevent, uh, prevent migraines long-term. Um, medications like Emgality and AJOV, I think, are also used for long-term prevention. Now for abortive therapy, what we've always used are things like triptans, like sumatriptan, like Imitrex, Relpax, all of those medications. You can also use NSAIDs, just like your basic ibuprofen, um, Advil. Uh, now we use CGRP antagonists like, um, like Ubralvi, Neurotech medications of that nature. So there are different options now, and I think we're coming out with more and more options. Some people also get nerve blocks, which I don't know if they've been that effective, but some people really, really do find relief with them. Um, transmagnetic stimulation's also been used, also not much data for that. Um, also opioids and barbiturates, some doctors still prescribe this. I would avoid it because I think it can lead to medication overuse and rebound headaches as well. Um, but you know, we can do a whole other thing on the topic of migraine treatments. If you guys are interested, just let me know. But we're almost at the 10 minute mark. So I'm going to cut off um, the migraine episode now just because this is the basics. And I think we talked about it. Um, if there's anything more you want to hear in detail, let me know. Otherwise, we will chat again next week. Thank you for listening and have a good week. Bye.